Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If God's already spoken, you ain't got nothing to pray about. You need to get to walking. Start moving. What else do you ask, right? If I tell my son, go water the grass, do I need him back in my face saying, Dad, what do you want me to do? Water? the grass like do i need them back 10 times saying god i just want confirmation that you want me to what is it that you want me exactly to do i'm at a point you know it's gonna be a whooping or something you know like go water the grass now this coming back and forth as disobedience as pastor bill teaches from the book of numbers today he remarks on the importance of prayer and pursuing god's instructions but he also reminds us to carry out this instruction once we receive it seeking wisdom is vital But if we don't do anything with it, then how valuable is it really? We need to be careful to listen to what God has to say and not make excuses if we don't like the answer we get. If God is calling us to action, then using prayer as an excuse for inaction is simply disobedient. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 36 as he continues his message. Keep it in the family. The Bible is not concerned with race. God isn't concerned with what race a person. By race, I mean, you know, you're black, white, Hispanic, you know, Asian or whatever. God is not concerned with us mixing that way. In the Old Testament, when God was calling for, you know, Jews only marry other Jews, it was because the other nations were worshiping other gods and the Jews worshiped the true and living God. As you come to the New Testament, God isn't concerned with what race a person you marry long as they are a believer. And so... I want to look at something that happened in Nehemiah 13. After the people that made all these vows and commitments about how they were going to be faithful to God, they reneged on all their commitments and they started intermarrying with the pagan women in that day. And I've always loved how Nehemiah handled it. If we did ministry like Nehemiah did ministry in his day, all the pastors would be in jail, you know, but I'm going to read to you something from Nehemiah chapter 13. And I'm going to read verses 23 to 25 for you guys. It says, in those days, I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. So those are all pagan nations. So Nehemiah says, wait a minute, I came, I'm looking around. There's a whole list of things that have gone wrong. But one of the things he lists is that I'm looking at Jewish men marrying the women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. These are pagan women that they've married. And it says, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one of the other people. And so he says, then they couldn't even communicate. They couldn't even speak the language. They were speaking the language of where they came from. It says in verse 25, so I contended with them. I cursed them, struck some of them and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God saying, you shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or yourselves. Now, you know, some people look at this and think, did Nehemiah get in the flesh? It says he cursed them, he struck some of them, and he pulled out their hair, and he made them swear to God that they would stop that stuff. I look at that, it's so interesting because Nehemiah and Ezra dealt with the same thing, right? Ezra, when he dealt with it, it says Ezra started pulling out his own beard. And Nehemiah, when he's dealing with it, he's like, I'm pulling out their hair. Bam, you know? 
and you just look at these two different kind of guys, two different kind of leaders. But Nehemiah's like, y'all gonna stop this mess and you're gonna stop it now. Obviously, this was a different era and New Testament pastors are not encouraged to behave in this way. One of the requirements is that we not be strikers and that we be men of self-control and everything else. Looked like he didn't get condemned or punished for it, so it must have been okay, but here's the point. When I look at how radical and extreme that was for Nehemiah, it was that big of a deal. He said, man, look, you're not just giving yourself to someone else. Look, your kids don't even know God. Your kids can't even speak the language of Judah. That means they can't even go to worship. That means they can't even read the writings. They can't even enter in your kids because you've intermarried with pagans. And then they know that language. And they probably know those gods too. And so we want to be careful, right? And again, this is more for the singles because if you're married, you're already married and you need to make it work. But if you're single and you're not married, don't ever make compromise. Don't ever get suckered into taking something less than you make sure that you are everything God wants you to be and don't be willing to accept anybody into your life in terms of relationship that doesn't measure up. That means you shouldn't even, I don't if you're a Christian, you have no business even going out with someone that's not clearly a Christian. I'll talk to Christians, they've gone out with someone, are they Christian? I'm not sure. How did y'all get to going out and you don't even know what they are yet? That's a fail. That's a fail already. You ain't got no business even going out yet till you find out who are they, where they at with the Lord, how real is it? You know, there's a whole lot of things you need to find out for you roll out with them. End up in a car crash and they calling out to Buddha and whatever. So anyway, moving back on to come back to numbers. Look at verses 10 through 12. It says, just as the Lord commanded Moses, so did the daughters of Zelophiah. So they obeyed the command that was given that they would only marry within the tribe, which again would have meant that they would have married what would have been cousins. Verse 11 and 12, for Mahala, I'm gonna do my best, Tizra, Hogla, that's a bad name for a girl, Milcah and Noah, the daughters of Zelophead, were married to the sons of their father's brother, their uncle, so they married cousins. They were married into the families of the children of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained in the tribe of their father's family. Here goes something that I want to point out that's also important. The first part of verse 10, it says, just as the Lord commanded Moses, so did the daughters of Zelophead. So they went and sought counsel. Then they got an answer, and it says they obeyed it. And I'll just point this out. It's obvious, but some people miss this step. Some people do the right thing in seeking wise counsel. But then when they get it, they don't obey it. So some people, they, they do take the right steps. You know, why don't you pray with me? What should I do about this? Here's a verse right here. It says this right here. And then they, they go and they do the very opposite. So I just want to explain this, that there is a victory in at least seeking for the right direction, seeking God, looking to God for wisdom, counsel, instruction, direction. But there is no victory if you don't then follow what you get. So they heard the word, but they were also obedient to what they had heard, what they had received. Are we obedient to the word of the Lord? When God speaks, when God gives an answer, particularly when it's not what you wanted to hear. Because I think everybody can, when you hear what you want to hear, it's easy to obey, right? Not, submission doesn't even count until you get told something you don't want to do. But when you get a word in a direction, it's not 
quite what you wanted, how good are you at yielding? Because it'll have a lot to do with how things go in your life. I believe that people who hear and disobey, they become dull of hearing. Talks about that in Hebrews. They don't hear as well anymore. They become dull of hearing because you hear, but you don't obey. I believe that people that hear and obey are they're sharper hearing. They hear God more clearly. God speaks to them in a clear way because he knows that they will obey. And I'm always perplexed and amazed when I read my Bible and I listen to people, they pray, and it sounds like the way it reads, almost like the answers were so clear, they were audible. Right? I believe those are people that were just in tune. They were listening. I look at the story of Philip and Acts, and he was, you know, there, he was serving, things were going great, and God said, Hey, I want you to leave here and go to the desert. And he just goes. Felt like God told him to go, and he went. And then he's going down the desert, see the chariot, and the Spirit of God said, Now run and catch up with the chariot, and just doesn't say why. And he just starts running and catches up with the chariot. And I'm not shocked that he gets to be the guy that God does the supernatural through and he preaches the gospel. The guy gets saved and he gets caught away in a whirlwind and dropped back off where he was supposed to be. How come he got to experience the supernatural? Because he listened in a supernatural way. And how come he heard so clearly? Is he just out and about and it seemed like God was just speaking? Did he have a special relationship? No, he was especially obedient. And so all of us here want to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't have any favorites. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. These things aren't foreign to the characters of the Bible. The Bible actually says these things are written for our admonition that we could read it and see it and say, wow, that's how God works. That's how it goes. So that we could conform and walk and live in such a way that God would move in our lives in the same way. So once again, are we obedient to the word of the Lord? Are you obedient to the word of the Lord. When you get a word in a direction, do you go and do what God has said for you to do? And I'll never forget this. Just one of the things that when you work at a church, you will see people come in and they would hop from pastor to pastor and it was people that were looking for someone to tell them what they wanted to hear. And I would see someone, I'm like, weren't you in here the other day with Pastor Glenn? Yes. Well, what did you ask him about? Same thing you're talking to me about? What did he say? And you'll find out what he said. I'm like, that was right. That was good counsel. Now, why are you here talking to me about the same thing when you already got instruction? Well, I just didn't really feel like, you know, that was the right thing for me. So I just want to get, a, you know, almost they treat it like a second opinion at the doctor's. I want to get a second opinion. And if you tell them the same thing, I'm going to get a third opinion. Eventually, what they're going to do is go talk to Dr. Phil or somebody out there, Dr. Feel Good, and somebody eventually will tell you what you want to hear. And that's what you'll do. You don't want to be like that. God gives you a word, God gives you direction, especially if it's from the book. I mean, if it's in black and white, red and white in the pages of the Bible, you just need to receive that and go ahead and do it and be obedient to the Lord so you might walk in the blessing of the Lord. Last verse, verse 13, and then we'll summarize the book. It says, these are the commandments and the judgments which the Lord commanded the children of Israel by the hand of Moses in the plains of Moab, by the Jordan, across from Jericho. And so, just want you to point out where they were. When we began the book of Numbers, right, there was a 38-year journey of them. A lot has happened. There have been a period of them wandering through the wilderness and going around and around and around, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. They finally got to a place where, you know, God had said, you guys are going to die. That generation died off. Now this next generation is going to get to go in. Then they begin to organize and get separated. Remember, we, we had all the kind of the boring stuff in the beginning of the book. We were numbering out the tribe and how many men could go to war and how many people from this tribe. And we were numbering out all those groups because God was organizing because they were getting ready to go somewhere. God didn't organize just because. He did that because we're getting ready to go. 
I finally got the group that's gonna be able to go. And I wanna organize them, I want everybody to know what their role is, what their function is. You're gonna be priests, you're gonna be helping in this, everybody knew what their role, how they were gonna function. Did they still struggle to obey God? Absolutely. Same thing, that we saw the kids make some of the same complaints as the parents. The kids made some of the same mistakes as the parents, however, God brought them to the threshold of the promised land. Where we in numbers, it says they're looking right across at it. I mean, they're right there looking at it. And I would point this out, right? The group that didn't get to go at all, never saw it, only heard of it. That's one group. That's the group that said, we won't do what God says do. We won't go take what God told us to take. We'll walk by fear. We won't walk by faith. That group died in the wilderness. God said, that just does not please me. What can we gain from that? This is what we all need to gain from that. We know from Hebrews 10, 6, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God wants me and you to be people that walk by faith, not by sight. He wants us to be a people that trust him beyond what we can see, that we would go at his word, that we would hear from God and just obey God. And sometimes faith is radical. And I think God wants it that way. God sometimes will tell us to do things that don't make sense. Because if everything that God told us to do made sense, we wouldn't need faith. We'd be leaning on our own understanding. We'd start measuring it out. I know God said do that, but I look at my bank account, don't really say I can do that. So I'm going to wait until the bank account says what God said. And God's like, well, then I'll, I got somebody else that'll just go at the drop. Right? You're going to miss out. There's going to be something about your life that you always are missing out on what God would do if you got to wait till everything lines up. There's something about walking by faith. There's something about that group that said, nah, we can't see us winning, so we're not going. That upset God so much, he said, you know what? I agree. You don't deserve to go. You won't go. Your life will be wasted in the desert. That's where you'll be. You're going to wander around, be miserable, complain, and you're going to die. Goodbye. That's what's going to happen to you. Don't let that be your reality. Don't be somebody who spends your whole life coming up with reasons not to do what God said do. That's how some people think. They spend their whole life, some people, they say this, people that get good at making excuses are rarely good at anything else. And some people got an excuse for everything while they're not. Well, I was praying about that. Christians got spiritual excuses. I'm praying about it. You know, there's a time, I think most of us know, but there's a time where it's no longer time to pray. It's time to move. And in Joshua chapter seven, they got beaten AI because they didn't pray. And then Joshua afterwards falls down and he's praying. God said, get up. What you praying for now? You got sin in the camp. Go deal with that. Had you prayed beforehand, I could have told you. You wouldn't have lost them 36 lives. But now that, you, you know, now, get, now it's not time to pray. Now it's time to go deal with stuff in your camp so you can go in and get the victory. And God basically said, don't pray now. Get up. Time to work. Time to go. If God's already spoken, you ain't got nothing to pray about. You need to get the walking. Start moving. What else do you ask, right? If I tell my son... Go water the grass. Do I need him back in my face saying, Dad, what do you want me to do? Water the grass. Like, do I need him back 10 times saying, God, I just want confirmation that you want me to, what is it that you want me exactly to do? I'm at a point, you know, it's going to be a whooping or something, you know, like, go water the grass. Now, this coming back and forth as disobedience. Sometimes people continuing to go back and pray is actually disobedience. God's already told you what to do, but instead of doing it, you're asking him again, hoping that he'll change it or say it different or tell you got more time. God wants us to be people that walk by faith, you guys. And I do want to encourage us to be people that will even be willing to take radical steps of faith. That's where you're going to meet God. 
if you've never experienced the hand of God in a supernatural way, then maybe you've never jumped out far enough to need him to intervene. Maybe you've walked so cautiously that God's like, I've never had to help. Because you only take steps that you can foresee being able to meet. You never step out beyond, right? When those priests had to step down into the water, it wasn't, the water hadn't receded yet. The water didn't recede until what? Until they stepped on down. Then it went. Then the supernatural happened when they took step of faith. That's how it's going to happen in our lives. We're going to see the hand of God move in supernatural ways when we go in faith. Not reasoning, not thinking too much, not God, you said. Now, steps of faith are not you waking up and deciding, I'm going to just do something crazy for God. And just go, I'm going to do something crazy for God and call it by faith. Faith is always in God. So it's only by faith because God told me to do it. God told me to do it doesn't make any sense, but God said do it, so it's by faith. So I want to make that clarification because somebody be done got up tomorrow morning and quit your job. I'm taking a step of faith and quit my job. Ooh. And, then, and, then, and then you'll be coming for prayer about paying your bills, you know. So it's only in faith when it's something God said do. Amen. So that's a lesson we learned from that group that didn't get to go. This group that is going to get to go, though there were mistakes and everything else, God does bring them to the threshold. And they have obeyed. They have at times. It still took them a lot of God's mercy and a lot of God's patience to get where they got, but they were moving in the direction that God was telling them to go, and they got here. There were many steps of obedience that brought them to where they are, and just like for us, right, there will be Christians that never go beyond the desert. There'll be some Christians that get right up on the promised land. I mean, you have obeyed to a degree. I mean, you've let God lead you to a point. You've gotten so far but you won't go any further. So for some of them, that's as close as it's gonna be. But we wanna be those that get, I wanna go all the way in. I, I wanna go into the promised land. I wanna eat some of that fruit. I wanna enjoy the land. I wanna win those battles. I want everything that God is offering me by faith. And to be that kind of person, it's gotta just be radical. It's gotta be that we just, God, we just go because you said go. We just do the things that you said do. A couple verses, if you're writing notes, I'd like you to write down. In the book of Habakkuk, which is, might be one of those books in your Bible that kind of sticks together. It's just one of the minor prophets, but in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, says these words. It says, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. Then it says, but the just shall live by faith. And that's quoted later on in Galatians, I believe, also in Romans. But it says, the just shall live, and I want you to underline and mark the word live, they shall live by faith. It's not gonna be a matter of every once in a while doing a faith thing, but the just are gonna live. Your whole life is gonna be a life of faith. Every day, you're gonna trust God beyond what you can see. You're gonna live by faith. How come I know I'm going to heaven every day? By faith. How come I hope in Jesus every day? By faith. Why would I bother reading my Bible every day? By faith, believing that God speaks to it, that it's supernatural, believing what it says about itself by faith. Why will I forgive someone that, by faith? Why will I go and do the things? Every, God's like, I want you to live like that. Let your life be characterized that you just live by faith, not momentarily, not doing something here and there, but live by it. Let it be the thing that just moves you to live a different kind of life. And most of you know this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Paul says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. 
We're living by faith in Habakkuk. We're walking by faith in 2 Corinthians. We walk by faith. Now, we don't walk by what we can see. We walk by what God said. And it's a big difference. If I walk by what I can see, I'll look and I'll see and I'll consider and I'll perceive and I'll decide and I may or may not walk. But if I walk by faith, God said, so I'm walking. Even though there's stuff in my way, I'm still walking. Even though there's obstacles, I'm still walking. Even though there's things that seem like doesn't measure up, we're still walking because the just shall live by faith, but we walk by faith and not by sight. And I believe if more Christians would live like that, obviously it would cause you to live obedient, but it also would cause us to live a little more, maybe not a little, maybe a lot more radically for God. And I believe we would see, we would see the hand of God upon us, around us, in the midst of what we're doing. We see God move in a greater way because we're trusting him. And it would just be situations where God, if you don't show up, it's not going to happen. If you don't get involved here, this is a bust. And we want to walk and trust the Lord in that kind of way. And so as we wrap up this book, the very beginning of the book of Numbers, again, it had them, had them on the brink of coming in. And Numbers 1-1, it says, by the hand of Moses in the plains of Moab, they were by the Jordan, and it began in the wilderness. They began the book of Numbers in the wilderness, you know, having to get things together, but now it's finished up, and they're across from Jericho, right across from the promise, and they're right across from where the very first battle is going to go down. Jericho's going to be the first victory, and interesting, we'll get to that later, but interesting to me that God said, I'm going to put you right across the street from where your first battle is going to happen. And look, of all the places to have your first fight, right, Jericho was impregnable, right? It wasn't like God was like, I'm going to give you your first fight. It's going to be with somebody that's kind of a buster. I'm going to give you somebody kind of low scale. I want you to see someone that you look at and say, I know, we can t- I, know I can take him. God said, no, your first fights, your first battle is going to be with something that no one's ever won here yet. No one's ever had that victory yet. No one's ever got through those walls yet. It's going to be the first one. I'm setting you right up across the street from it. And that's where we're going to start at. And I just will point this out for some of us. You want God to ease you in to stuff? And God's like, no, no, no. We're going to jump in both feet. I'm going to start off doing stuff that n- never could have happened without me. Trust me. Walk with me. Believe in me. And I would just end with this. As we're challenged to trust him, to have faith in him, to believe in him, just think about this. Why not? Like, what would be a good reason to not trust God? Nobody has one. Nobody. I can say that with full of faith. Nobody here has a good reason not to trust God. You may have a dumb reason, a reason, but nobody has a good reason not to trust God. He's trustworthy. He's all-powerful. He never doesn't come through. He never doesn't keep his word. He's never wrong. Nobody loves you like he loves you. He's got Satan under his foot. Like, why wouldn't I just do whatever he says do and see what happens? And so, may we be encouraged to walk by faith, take great steps of faith, be obedient, and to the theme of our study tonight, keep it in the family. That's all my single people. If you're single, don't even consider, don't even give thought to engaging with, dealing with somebody outside of Jesus. I just can guarantee you that's not God's plan for you. If you love the Lord, you walk with the Lord and wait till God brings you someone that loves the Lord just like you do. Don't settle for anything less than that. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the example. Thank you for the lessons throughout the book of Numbers. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to glean, help us to learn from, 
Help us to walk in, God. Help us to take from their example. You're saying, Corinthians, that these things were written for our admonition, that we might learn from them. And uh, Lord, I pray we learn from the mistakes and that we'd also learn from the victories. That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Numbers, and we pray that it's been eye-opening for you. In this book, you see how God dealt with sin and disobedience in the Israelite camp, but you also get a sense of how God delights in obedience and a soft heart. The people then were no different than people today. It's all human nature, plagued with the curse of sin, but God didn't leave their side, and He remains by your side today. So if you're ever in doubt about God's goodness, faithfulness, or steadfastness, be reminded that God cares about you, loves you, and is there for you. We hope you continue to learn more from the book of Numbers, and we encourage you to read ahead on your own. If you're interested in listening to additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you can find them on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. If you live in the Inglewood area or happen to be passing through, come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at calvaryinglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. Then you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Before you go, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as part of our listening audience, and we pray you continue to look to Jesus. Thanks again for joining us, and be sure to catch our next edition of A Transforming Word.